Father, I thank you um, for this church. I thank you for LifeGate Church. God, I thank you that we are one church in two locations. And God, we just want to honour you for what you are doing in our communities. And God, we pray now that we would um, just humble our hearts before you, God. We thank you that you have already been working and you're going to continue to work through this service. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the great things about Liverpool is we get a little bit of a sleep in because our service doesn't start till 10 a.m., so... We're up a little bit earlier today to get here on time, but that's okay. Um, I need a clicker. There it is. So my message this morning is titled, Could a Garden Come Up From This Ground? Could a Garden Come Up From This Ground? And I want to start by telling you some amazing facts about trees. Now, I'm not someone who understands this very well, but I did some research this week and I was blown away by what I read. There are some species of plants, such as the eucalyptus and the banksia, that have these cones on them that are sealed up with resin. And they've got inside them seeds. And the only way for these seeds to get out and to grow is for the heat of, say, a bushfire to come through and to melt the resin away off the cone so the seeds can come out. There are also some other species of plants that require smoke to allow the seeds that's within them to grow, such as the smoke from a bushfire. There are also some other plants, like those other ones in the corner. They're called an Australian grass tree. And they require fire in order for them to flower abundantly. As I was reading about this this week, I thought, that is pretty amazing. When we think about a bushfire going through an area, the place looks pretty bad afterwards, doesn't it? Desolate, forsaken, uninhabitable. But it's far from destroyed. And it might just be the right conditions for something to spring forth, for something new to grow. The adversity of a bushfire is exactly what some plants need in order to change and to become something new and beautiful. Do you think that's amazing? I think that's amazing. You may already know that. I'm a bit slow. I didn't know that until a couple of days ago. And just as bushfires are inevitable in the Australian landscape, hardships and trials are inevitable in our lives. The scriptures make it glaringly obvious that at some point in our lives, in fact, in probably multiple points in our lives, we're going to face trials, adversities, hardship and trouble. James 1 verse 2 very plainly reads, when trials of any kind come your way. 
There's no ifs, buts, maybes, they're coming. 1 Peter 4.12 puts it this way. Don't be surprised at the trials you are going through as if something strange is happening to you. It's inevitable. Just like a bushfire in Australia, we are going to face times of trial. I went through a season of hardship about five years ago. I'm the eldest of four girls. These are my sisters. I've got Belinda on the far left, Rebecca on the far right, and it's my sister, Barbara. Now, Barbara was born physically and mentally disabled. At around 11.30 on Monday, the 5th of February, it was a Monday night, I'd gone to bed, I was asleep, and we got a knock at our front door. Mark is a night owl, so he was still awake. And he came into the room, he said, Sam, you need to get up, your family's here. And in a state of, I was well and truly asleep, but I knew in that moment something was wrong as my family made their way into my bedroom, standing there looking at me, waiting for me to get out of bed. And I said, what's wrong? Belinda wasn't there and Barbara wasn't there. And automatically my mind went to something's happened to Belinda. And my mum said, Barb has just died. In that moment, it felt like we'd been hit by a truck. Life changed as I knew it. I was staring at a trial, at a hardship, at a heartache like I'd never known before. And as I was lying in bed after my parents went home, I felt a little like a tree that had been hit by a bushfire. I felt crushed. Felt like the wind had just been knocked out of me. Unbelievably broken and sad. Maybe you've had one of those knocks at the door, those middle of the night knocks at the door. Or maybe it was a knock on your office door with news that there's about to be a whole heap of layoffs. Or maybe it wasn't a knock, maybe it was the slam of a door as someone that you loved walked out. Or maybe the sound was the sound of screeching tires as an accident turned your world upside down. Or maybe it was one of those middle-of-the-night phone calls with bad news. Or a call from a doctor saying we need to talk. The knock of the door, the slam of a door, the screeching of tyres, the phone ringing are all sounds of a new trial entering our lives. And maybe you felt a little bit like this. Could a garden really come up from this ground? This ground that has been devastated, has been burnt, has been crushed, has been knocked down, this ground that feels so painful and sad, could new life spring forth? Could something really grow up out of this? Well, if you felt like this or you feel like this this morning, then I believe that God's answer for you today is a big yes.
Scripture tells us that God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And when we face trials, when we face hardships and suffering, God uses these experiences for our benefit. Rick, Pastor Rick Warren, if you've heard of him, he says that every storm is a school. Every trial is a teacher. Every experience is an education. And every difficulty is for your development. So this morning I want to give you four ways in which we can grow during times of trial, during times of hardship. And before I give you the four ways that I feel we can grow, I want to say, I want to just stop and say that God doesn't cause the hardship. God doesn't cause the trial. They're all a result of sin. But God uses the trial and the hardship that's happening in our lives as an opportunity to grow something within us. So I want to give you four things that God um, grows within us during trials and hardships. So the first thing that grows is our faith. Trials and hardships are one of God's most effective ways of growing our faith and our commitment to him. After he's brought us through it, the foundation of our trust and our faith in him is strengthened. We read this in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. It says, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. When we come out the other end, our faith is strengthened. Our trust, our commitment is strengthened if we allow him to work in our world as we're going through it. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Have you ever been in a tough situation where your only hope is to depend upon God? Only hope is for God to bring you through. I'm getting some big nods. (laughs) When we're faced with these kind of trials, our faith in God grows as we see him as one who is faithful. The second thing that grows is our perseverance grows. Back to James 1, verse 3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance or your perseverance has a chance to grow. Trials produce perseverance. That same word is the word for staying power, endurance, stamina, the ability to keep on going despite the trial, despite the adversity, despite the hardship, the ability to hang in there no matter what. And the scripture says that we need endurance. We need endurance. It says this in Hebrews 10.36 that we need endurance so that we will continue to do God's will. So the adversity that we go through builds endurance and we need endurance so that we'll continue to do God's will. And we all know the scripture from Romans 5, 3, 4 that says suffering produces perseverance and perseverance grows our character. Hi, Jess. (laughs) Trials make us mature. God uses them to develop our character. 
as we persevere through times of trial, God changes us. We learn so much more about him, but we also learn a whole heap about ourselves. And it's often those moments that draw us closer to him. And as we draw closer to him, he begins to change us, to mould us, to make us more like Jesus. Not through our own strength, not through anything that we do, but through the Holy Spirit working in us. He moulds and he shapes us to change our character, to be more like Jesus. And the fourth way is through our understanding of God's purpose for our lives grows. When we face a hardship in our world, I think it's super important that we understand that God can use this situation. God can use the situation in a way that will actually benefit us and move us in the direction of his purpose for our lives. He may use the situation for one of those things up on the screen to get our attention, to increase our hatred of sin. If sin has brought us to a place where we're suffering, then that can bring us to a place where we hate that sin. God can use it to help equip us to comfort others. About six or seven weeks after my sister passed away, another um, young person that I know lost her brother. And I remember being in a place of just hugging her, showing comfort to her as I had received comfort through the loss of my sister and then being able to show her comfort as she mourned her brother. It can prepare us to serve him. It can show us how much he loves us and cares about us. And it can literally change the direction and redirect our lives. I want to explain that a little bit in a moment. Actually, I'll do that now. As I was writing this message, just a moment. As I was writing this message, my mind kept going back to one of the most recent hardships that I've experienced It was um, last year. And I asked God how my understanding of his purpose for my life has grown as a result of, um, of this hardship. And what he spoke to me was quite profound about how he was working behind the scenes. So I want to share that with you this morning to encourage you that God is always moving. He's always working in our lives. He's always working behind the scenes. And sometimes we have to just stop. And ask, what are you doing here, God? So in May of last year, I stood in a doctor's office this time with Mark and we were told that I was pregnant and having a miscarriage within the space of about five seconds. (laughs) At that moment, yet again, here we go, we're about to face another hardship. We're about to face another season of difficulty. We came home feeling a little bit shell-shocked, as you do. We didn't know that I was pregnant. Um, And we sort of sat there and went, this is really hard. This is really sad. We contacted a few of our loved ones, and we know that people were praying for us in that moment. 
And we spent the next couple of hours just sitting on the lounge together, crying and worshipping. What happened about a week and a half later, though, was I got a phone call to say that actually it's not yet a miscarriage, but you're having an ectopic pregnancy. What that means is um, with an ectopic pregnancy is the baby's growing in your fallopian tube. There's no real chance of survival and can be very, very dangerous to the mother. Now, I'd never even heard the word ectopic pregnancy. Um, I didn't know how to pronounce it. I didn't know how to spell it. I'm Googling it. No clue how to even spell it. Um, And I went into a panic. I was at the church at the time and Larissa was here and she calmed me down because I had no idea what the doctor had just told me was going on in my body. That was a Wednesday and on the Thursday we did the only thing we knew to do is we came to healing rooms. We told them what was going on. Marcelo prayed with us and a couple of others prayed with us. And we prayed for protection for me. But then Marcelo said something really profound to us. He said, what do you want God to do? And in that moment, I thought, I know God. I know what he's capable of. I know that if he wants to, he can move this baby and this baby can be healthy. And so we began to pray that, and we prayed that for the next three days. I had some wonderful women around me. We went to um, uh, Christy Gibbons' 18th birthday party and spent about at least half an hour in the corner just praying for this baby. On Monday, I found out that my pregnancy hormone levels had dropped and the miscarriage was happening. But the profound thing that happened, and I didn't know this until later, is that it's not very common to have an ectopic pregnancy without any medical intervention. And I completely believe that as we prayed, as we asked God to protect me, that he moved, that he protected me, he made sure that there was no damage done to my body and he healed what he needed to heal in that moment. If I go back a couple of years, though, for a number of years... I'd been, I guess, processing and praying through, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? What direction do you want me to head in? And I was feeling really unsettled for a number of years. Back to this time of losing the baby, during this season, I drew really close to God. I needed a touch from heaven. I needed him to speak to me. I need, I desperately desired to hear his voice because I needed that comfort, that security. There's nothing more beautiful than hearing the voice of God in a time of pain and sorrow. And so I went through a period of a few months where I felt like I was hearing the voice of God clearer than any other time in my life. He encouraged me. He spoke life into me. Um, He gave me just some beautiful pictures that I will always cherish. He showed me how much he loves and cares for us during times of sorrow and pain. And it was during this time of increased intimacy and listening for the voice of God that he spoke to me so clearly about Mark and I moving to Liverpool. As I've said, I've been a part of this church for a really long time. 
And in order for me to leave Padstow, it needed to be a booming, loud voice of God. And God knew that. And so as I drew near during a time of trial and adversity and suffering, he used that time not only to build my faith as he healed me, but also to get my attention and to literally change the direction of my life. Again, let me say he did not cause that miscarriage. He did not cause it, but he used it. He used it in a way that I think I think is profound and I'm sure there's a whole heap of other things that he's doing that I'm not even aware of yet because this one only really came to mind as I was sitting with him this week. God uses the hard times in our lives in powerful ways. But ultimately, whether we grow is actually our choice. It's dependent completely upon how we respond during a time of trial. It really boils down to two responses. We can either see it as an obstacle, which ultimately will lead us to feeling bitter. Or we can see obstacles and trials as a time, as an opportunity to grow, as an opportunity to get better. When we view seasons of hardship as an obstacle, then our response may look something like this list. We respond in anger, in hurt, in frustration, in blame, in self-pity, in self-obsession, negativity. Why me? And maybe even turning our backs on God, doubting him, walking away altogether. You might know somebody who has done that, who's been faced with a difficult time, And rather than it drawing them close to God, it's actually done the complete opposite. Now, let me just say that these emotions aren't necessarily bad. It's absolutely normal when we're going through something hard to feel some of these feelings. When my sister passed away, I had moments where I was angry. I had moments where I sunk into self-pity and frustration and blame and the list goes on. But the important thing is that We don't pitch a tent and live in those emotions. We feel them and we walk through them. It's when we decide to live there that we're in danger of allowing a root of bitterness to grow in our lives. Ultimately, we want to get to a place where we see trials and hardships as an opportunity to grow. That's what I want you to hear this morning, that trials and hardship are an opportunity to grow. I started this morning by saying that trials are an inevitable part of life. And I said that James 1-2 says that when trials of any kind come your way. Well, there's actually a couple of extra words at the start of this verse. It says, consider it pure joy. How the heck do we consider it pure, pure joy when trials of any kind come our way? Well, I don't think this means that we need to delight over the details of our suffering. I'm not joyful that I lost a sister or that I lost a baby. 
I don't think that's what this scripture says. I can, however, consider it joy that I know that in the midst of that, God is doing something. I can consider it joy that in the midst of that, I have an opportunity to grow and to change. It's joy because I know God and I know that out of, some, out of this something horrible, he can bring something beautiful that grows up in its place. So really practical this morning, I want to give you four action steps to take when you're in a season of hardship. The first one is choose to see God's perspective. In times of hardship, we tend, they tend to dominate us, don't they? They can be all-consuming, all we think about. It's in that moment that we actually need to lift our eyes heavenward and, and say to God, okay, what's your view of this? I can't see past the problem. I can't see past the pain, but I know you see the beginning to the end and all the bits in the middle. So I want to choose to see your perspective on this. Oops. Number two is to love the church. Keep turning up to church and to life group. Position yourself in the house of God. Position people around you. It's really easy to want to isolate ourselves when we're going through a hard time when we're dealing with something big. But our church is a church of believers who are going to stand with you, who are going to fight with you, who are going to believe and going to pray with you. So keep turning up, keep loving the church. Number three is to read the word and spend time in his presence. Our Bibles are full of promises and declarations that we need, that our souls and our spirits need at a time of trouble. When we read it, when we meditate it, when we allow it to sink into us, it brings peace, it brings hope. Spend time in his presence worshipping because he's still worthy of our praise regardless of how bad it's gotten. And number four is to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Ask others to pray with you. Ask others to pray for you because prayer changes things, but prayer also changes us. It changes how we feel about the situation. So if you're facing a trial or a hardship right now, let me encourage you to take action this week and to put these four things into practice. And if you're not in a season of hardship right now, then let me encourage you to pursue these four things anyway because I fully believe that the decisions that we make during a season of peace, during a season of smooth sailing, greatly impacts us during a period of of hardship and trial. If I was to say to you that at some point within the next 12 months, your house is going to be robbed, you'd probably start to take some action now to prepare for that. You might make sure the house insurance is up to date. You might get a safe and put Melody's, you know, nice jewellery in it. Um, (laughs) You might install an alarm. You'd do something to prepare for the fact that you're about to be robbed. Your house is about to be robbed. Well, we've been told that we are going to face trials and hardship. It's inevitable. It's happening. So it's super important 
that we set ourselves up now so we're ready when we face those times. At some point in my life, I made this decision. You might not be able to read it, but it says, all of my life in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. And I share this at Liverpool the first week we were there. And then one of the ladies gave this to me for Christmas. Which So it's now um, Dorothy, the same woman that had the stent, gave that to me for Christmas. And I guess this is a combination of points two and three. At some point in my life, I made this decision during a season of peace, of smooth sailing, and it has had a profound impact on my life during seasons of hardships. When I was tempted to pull away from God and remain angry at him when my sister passed away, the decision that I had made during a time of smooth sailing brought me to my knees in solitude of my own house and I worshipped him. When I was tempted to stay away from church after we lost the baby and to withdraw and to isolate myself, this decision that I had made during a season of peace meant that I stood on that stage five days later and I led the church that I loved corporately in worship. The decisions and what we put into our lives during seasons of peace profoundly impact our seasons of trial. So if you're here today and go, oh, everything's great right now, can I encourage you to to put practices into your life and to make decisions now that will have a great impact on you when you do go through a season of hardship? And to finish this morning, I want to do two things. Firstly, if you're here this morning, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And Stephen said, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. So I want to give you the opportunity to pray a simple prayer with me in a moment. And then after that, Mark and I are going to sing a song. And it's a song that Kath sang um, on Vision Sunday. And I want to encourage you as we sing this to pause and to ponder We're going to make just a bit of space for God to minister to us this morning, to show us how he is growing us, to show us the areas that he's pressing on this morning, to grab his perspective. But first, if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, then I'd love to give you that opportunity. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe it in in your heart, then you will be saved. So making a confession of faith is the first step in having a life-changing relationship with him. So if you'd like to do that this morning, then I want to encourage you to pray this and we're going to pray it all together. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died and he rose again. God, I'm sorry for living my life apart from you. And today I choose to become a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' name.